Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanalist podcast. We are deep into the second week of the Australian Open now. We've even got our first finalists uh, from the week to talk about. Uh, my name is Michael Gillett. I'm joined as ever by Marcus Ali. Marcus, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Um, back-to-back days of uh, joining you on this Zoom call to talk about the Australian Open. Peak lockdown entertainment. Um, so, yeah, thanks thanks for providing some, uh, some downtime. Um, and, yeah, I'm excited to talk about these matches that have happened in the last few hours and, of course, look ahead to the final semi-final on the men's side. So, yeah, we've had lots of action in the last couple of days of the Australian Open. We'll obviously focus on uh, this morning's matches first. Uh, We had a very quick fire podcast yesterday previewing this match uh, and the match finished within the last hour of us recording it. Uh, That was Novak Djokovic against the very unlikely Uh, semi-finalist at a Grand Slam, that being because it was his Grand Slam debut, uh, Aslan Karatsev, the very well-named Aslan Karatsev. Um, An absolutely exceptional tournament from him, Uh, but he has bowed out in the semi-final to the world number one, Novak Djokovic, who has looked a little bit touch and go at times this tournament, um, in particular five setters against uh, five setter against Taylor Fritz, dropping set to uh, Milos Raonic and Francis TFO uh, as well. Um, but today I thought it was a very impressive Djokovic. Karatsev came out all guns blazing, played the way that I think we expected him to play, uh, and and played fantastically. Karatsev was was brilliant. Um, but he lost this match, uh, 6-3, 6-4, 6-2. Uh, Karatsev did break Djokovic twice in the match. Um, really something you can take away from that because, you know, being ranked 114th in the world uh, to break Djokovic twice uh, and a brilliant Djokovic it was, uh, it is, you know, very, very good. Um, Marcus, um, firstly, you know, uh, what, what do you think of Djokovic? Um, I, we'll go on to talk about Kratsev and, and what the sort of future might hold for him afterwards. But let's focus on the, the, the winner, Djokovic, who's got into his ninth Australian Open final and keeping up his perfect Australian Open semi-final record. Yeah, um, this game sort of played out similarly to we predicted. I think you alluded to Karatsev maybe taking the first set, which was probably the most competitive one, you'd have to say. Um, obviously, look at, looking good, particularly in the first half of that set. Um, but to talk about Djokovic initially, I think the thing that stands out for me is how physically now he looks better going into the final than he did going into like the last 16 and, and the quarterfinal, which is pretty mesmerizing stuff um considering the amount of hours he spent on court is meant to take a toll on his body but he seems to be getting getting better with each match um you know there were some shaky moments obviously Fritz being the standout but also against Milos Reinic you'd have to say um the Canadian at one set all in that match it looked like it could have gone either way um so to to kick on really losing the first set to Sasha Zverev as well and then yeah just really 
proving why he is the world number one. And um, yeah, I think his medical team should be very happy of the results that they've uh, produced. Um, and yeah, he's got going from strength to strength, moving into the final where he'll be quite a strong favourite. Um, as for Karatsev and, and what we can expect, I think it's hard to say based on only really one tournament where we've seen him go really deep. Um, you know, he only had three wins on the ATP tour before this uh, this tournament. So it's quite hard to say. Obviously, I hazard a guess in, in yesterday's episode, I think he'll be around the sort of late 40s mark in the rankings, maybe early 50s, maybe a tiny bit either way, um, which obviously just gives him a great opportunity because he's not going to have to qualify for tournaments anymore, which I'm sure at 27, having done that for probably most of his career, will be a massive weight off his shoulders um, and he can start preparing better for these first round matches that he's going to walk straight into. I think it's hard to really say what we can expect. Um, not taking anything away from him, it was quite a kind run to to a Grand Slam semi-final. Obviously, I think Felix Auger-Aliassime in five sets is the win that stands out. You know, he's beaten a top tenner in Diego Schwartzman, um, former top five player in, in Grigor Dimitrov. So, yeah, it stands him in great stead. Um, you know, some players develop later than others. I'm not sure when it when his peak could come, but yeah, this it does look very good. I think a player that I've just popped into my head that um, is maybe a little bit similar to Karatsev, although he does have a very distinct style to himself. I, I don't think I've seen anyone else really hit the ball like he does. I, I don't. Th- I think he plays quite a lot of shots more flatter than a lot of the other players that we see on tour which could could um contribute to why we, we've seen quite a few winners going down the line or, or just sharp cross-court shots um but I think Filip Krajinovic is is slightly similar um that Serbian player obviously you've got Karatsev Russian they're not too far away no it's not just because their surnames begin with K and end with V um but they're both uh right-handed players I'm pretty sure Krajinovic is as well and I see that as a similar kind of ranking that Karatsev could push on to for the rest of the year. I think Kudrinovic's career high is probably somewhere between 25 and 30, maybe 20 and 30. I think that's a realistic aim for Karatsev if he can produce this form over a longer stretch. Um, it's hard to predict, you know, it's a small sample size, but no, definitely tons and tons of positives to take. And it's, it's a new name that will definitely be mentioned hopefully week in, week out on this podcast. I think the likeness to Krajinovic uh, was was perfect, to be fair. I definitely see that. Apart from the fact that Krajinovic's surname ends in C, not B. Um, but... Ends in V? Krajinovic. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no, it does. Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. yeah sorry. That's bad grammar, that um, That's all right. No worries. Keep that in the edit. Um... Anyway, yeah, no, um, Karatsev, fantastic. I think, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where these points do get him in the rankings. And um, I, it was interesting hearing the commentators, I don't know if you heard this bit, they were saying that I think a few years ago, Karatsev was actually on his way to being a top 100 player by the um, the rankings. I think he got to about 130, was winning. He won quite a lot of futures tournaments and then doing well on a challenger level. And then he had a bit of a knee injury, uh, which kind of held him back a little bit. Um, went out to America when the pandemic begun to play the um, exhibition matches out there, won loads of the exhibition matches out there. So I think actually 
Kratsev, um is real evidence that keeping going during that pandemic phase and playing as much as possible really, really has helped him because, you know, it's a player who before the pandemic, you know, was probably just a, a name on sort of the flash score app for me, um, not really knowing anything about his playing style. And he's now just played so many matches over 2020, you know, a year where a lot of players couldn't play a lot of matches. He's been able to get a lot of match play in, had a really good run at challenger tournaments last year and actually on a clay court as well. He was playing a lot of clay court challengers and winning a lot of matches there. So there's a potential there that uh, he's got, uh, you know, a lot of all-round ability as well. So maybe uh, we'll see him run to the semi-final of the French Open. Um, I say that with a bit of sarcasm, um, but, you know, cannot take anything away from Karatsev. Brilliant story, brilliant tournament, and um, I, I hope we can see him playing some more at the, the top level in the future, because I think he really did go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Djokovic for those first six games today, made that second set really tricky. Djokovic uh, was a double break-up. Karatsev got the break back and then actually had break points to make it five all. If he'd been able to do that, you know, I don't really know if I've ever seen a Djokovic or a Federer or a Nadal have a double break in a set and then lose it. And, and that very nearly happened today. Um, yeah, but whether he's going to be able to go and play with that sort of uh, careless attitude, not careless, but kind of just no pressure attitude where he can just hit the ball now, it, it's hard to know because obviously there might be a little bit of pressure put on him now to back this performance up but um obviously of course Djokovic uh the main story getting into his ninth Australian Open final never lost an Australian Open semi-final but also never lost a final uh, at the Australian Open he's eight out of eight finals at the Australian Open it's it's pretty amazing um you say he'll be strong favorite going in I think with the extra days rest he definitely will uh, I, I personally, I do think if one of Medvedev and Tsitsipas can get through tomorrow's match, which we'll go on to talk about, if they can get through it kind of quickly and not expend too much energy, then I, I'm not sure. Djokovic has not been his best this tournament. He's serving the best we've seen him serve, but um, he hasn't been brilliant sort of during it. Um, did say in his match interview afterwards that uh, he's feeling the best that he's felt all tournament which is really good for him uh, but I don't know I, I do feel that there is definitely some some hope uh, for the winner of that match which we'll go on to talk about um, so we're now going to just did you have anything else you wanted to say on, on Djokovic or Karatsev Marcus? Um, no just yeah overriding feeling of this whole tournament um, if, <laughs> if Djokovic goes on to win it um, Aslan Karatsev will be the main takeaway. Um, definitely a, a player that I'm looking forward to talking about and seeing more of um, as, as the year progresses. He's got a very unique style, as, as, as we've mentioned. So, yeah, it's exciting. Um, but, yeah, the, the extra day's rest for Djokovic seems a bit weird, bit of a harsh schedule for who's going to win out of the, the winner of, of the second semi-final. Um, and yeah, I'll give them both a chance, Medvedev and Sitsipas, but yeah, Novak will, will definitely come in a strong favourite. Yeah, 
So uh, the women's semi-finals happened last night as well. Uh, Naomi Osaka and Jennifer Brady will be your women's final for Saturday, uh, a match which could be really exciting considering they had a, a fantastic match at the US Open last year in the semi-final. Um, but I think we'll come on to that. The, the main story really from this is uh, Serena Williams, who lost to Naomi Osaka in the semi-final 6-3, 6-4. Uh, 2019 champion Osaka against the 2017 champion Serena Williams. That was the last Grand Slam she won. Uh, she was asked in a press conference about what went wrong. She said, I made so many errors today. Um, you know, easy errors to go five love up in sets. And she just ended up making too many. She felt... Uh, she felt she had been playing really well the whole tournament and it just kind of collapsed today. Uh, she was then asked about her exit from the stadium when she was sort of had her hand on her heart and waving to the crowd. It almost had a very sort of farewell feel about it. And she was asked about that. And Serena said, if I ever say farewell, I wouldn't tell anyone. So indicating that when she does retire, she's not going to announce it and sort of play like a last year uh, where she can go and say goodbye to all of the tournaments. Uh, and then very sudden, uh, she was asked uh, another question about her errors. Uh, she appeared to burst into tears and, and walked out of the press conference um, and just said that I'm done. So, you know, Serena Williams is 23-time Grand Slam winner, I think, um, is the number. It's so many. Um, it's ridiculous. Absolutely outstanding athlete. Uh, the best women's tennis player that the sport has ever seen. A lot of people will argue the best tennis player we've ever seen um, because of her dominance. Uh, unfortunately, today, you know, it, it didn't go her way for her, um, but very interesting scenes afterwards, Marcus. And um, did you, I know you've, you've seen them yourself. Do you maybe get the feeling that uh, she she could be saying goodbye to Australia and we, we might be on her last year possibly she's going to be 40 later this year um but still playing brilliantly is you know important to mention i think you always have to wonder you have to treat um from the outside i feel like you have to treat every player of that age's year like it's going to be their last if you see what i mean you can't take it for granted because at that age and the stage that she's in with her life had a baby a couple of years ago it's not a surprise to see a priority shift or yeah, I mean, or matches like this where a player 16 years um, younger, Naomi Osaka, can win quite straightforwardly. Um, you know, William, Serena Williams has done really well to make the semi-final. She's played some excellent tennis. But yeah, it does feel like it's slipping away a touch. I think it's been obvious to see the amount of finals and semi-finals she'd made in the last couple of years chasing that Margaret Court record. She needs one more to equal it. Obviously, you know, she's lost to Kerber in the Wimbledon final. I think Simona Halep as well in the Wimbledon final. Um, so, yeah, it's slipping away. And the reaction, the emotions, I just see it as disappointment, to be honest. I'm not reading too much into those. I, I'm not... I don't think, I think it's just disappointment in, in her own performance. I think she, she knows that she didn't live up to the performances that she's putting consistently in the tournament. Um, but it's, it's not 
um, too damning to lose in straight sets to Osaka. For me, on a hard court, she's definitely the best player in the world, in my opinion. I mean, you could argue Ash Barty, who's the world number one and has won, I think, has won the Australian Open before, but she didn't play a lot of last year, took a lot of time off like Federer and Nadal did. So to see Osaka come in um, looking like the the woman to beat is not a surprise. Um, obviously, it was Osaka who beat Serena Williams at that US Open final surrounded in, in controversy a couple of years ago. Um, and now the limelight of this win's been taken away from her a touch. But yeah, I, I'm not feeling too bad about Serena Williams um, stopping playing tennis or stopping having the enthusiasm and drive that she clearly has for the sport but definitely not for the rest of the year anyway um and I know you said about her not saying farewell and not giving people notice that it's going to happen however I do see it being at the US Open maybe not this year but I don't think she'd quit mid-season rather than finishing it at um at her home Grand Slam so yeah it's I'm I'm not reading into it too much. I think it'll get sensationalised while she stormed out of her press conference. But I think she was just really disappointed with the performance and how close she's come once again at a Grand Slam and wondering how many times she can get to that stage of a Grand Slam now at 39 years old. I've just noticed over the last, well, maybe year or so, how unbelievably stacked the United States is in quality female players um maybe they need to take note on onto the men's side because you, there's nine players in the women's top 50 from from america coco goff being the um she's 48th in the ranking so she's the lowest out of them so there's plenty more to uh take over obviously williams isn't even the number one anymore but um yes yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where serena goes from here obviously the french open is not one that you'd You'd think she's she's going to be right in contention for you'd have Wimbledon or the US Open definitely over that one. But yeah, I'm not reading too much into this. I think you know we'll get to see plenty of good tennis from Serena as the, as the year progresses. But yeah, Osaka goes into the final a strong favourite, probably even stronger than Novak Djokovic. Yeah, I think um, just coming back to when you're saying about Williams trying to get that last Grand Slam. Um, I remember listening to the the tennis podcast of David Law and Catherine Whitaker uh, and Matt Roberts uh, just before the tournament, and they said it was actually the first time ever that they'd gone into a Grand Slam, uh, gone into a year, sorry, thinking that Serena won't actually win a Grand Slam. Like Even though she hasn't won one since 2017, every year you kind of go into the year thinking... Uh, oh, Serena's going to win, uh, maybe with the exception of 2018, I think. I think that was when she was off with her baby. But um, she, um, yeah, and, and I was, I went on uh, my friend's podcast the the other week, um, the Ultimate Sports Podcast uh, by Toby Foster and Sam Greasy Matching. And Sam, to his credit, um, said on that that he, he, we were doing predictions for the Australian and I said that I thought Serena would probably win it. Uh, and he said that he didn't think that she would ever win another Grand Slam again. And I think, you know, looking, it, it is starting to look that way. But then again, I think Wimbledon this year, I, I would not be surprised if she turned up and just blew the field away at Wimbledon. And, we, you know, we're talking about potential retirement. It's, we've got to remember our older sister Venus is still playing. Uh, it must be at the age of 
I think 41 now, maybe, Venus, and she's still playing and still winning. So, um, yeah, fair play to her. But, yeah, as Marcus touched upon, can't take the win away from Naomi Osaka at all. Um, she's actually a couple of good stats here. Uh, she's never lost in a Grand Slam beyond the fourth round. Every time she's got beyond the fourth round, she's gone on to win the tournament. Three-time Slam winner, uh, the 2019 Australian Open, 2018 US Open and 2020 US Open. Um, now, this is the best stat of all, I think. Uh, she has not lost a competitive match since the 7th of February 2020. Uh, so that's just over a year now. She hasn't actually lost a competitive match. She retired before two matches, one against Azarenka in the Cincinnati final and one against Elise Mertens uh, just a couple of weeks ago before Australian Open. She lost one exhibition match, I think, at the back end of last year. Um, but yeah, the 7th of Feb was actually the last tour match that she lost, uh, 2020. Um, and she only won about three games in that match. So, um, But that is just an unreal stat, I think. You know, the changing of the guard is, is really signalled today with Osaka beating Williams again. But I know she's done it before, but I, I think with sort of the, the symbols and messages that come from it with the sort of Serena, all of the narrative now being around is Serena exiting. And, and I think Osaka, though she'd already entered and she's been there for a long time, I think she's now definitely the woman to beat. Um, you know, if she played a little bit more last year and carried on winning, she'd definitely be world number one. And she, um, I'm not sure if she wins this, if she goes world number one, I, I'm not sure about that. But um, yeah, fantastic play from the Japanese player. So moving on to the second semi-final that we had, um, a bit more of an unlikely semi-final uh, in terms of it being the 22nd seed against the 25th seed. Uh, Jennifer Brazy, 22nd seed, beat Carolina Muchova. Uh, 6-4, 3-6, 6-4. Uh, the 25-year-old uh, Jennifer Brady was ranked 48th at the start of the pandemic, having never made it past the fourth round of a slam. And both her fourth rounds came uh, when she was in her very early 20s. So she'd gone a, a couple of years sort of being off the scene at the top. Uh, she's now made the semi-final of the US Open last year, where she lost a very close 6-7, 6-3, 3-6 to Naomi Osaka in the semi-final. So fantastic match there, really maybe teeing up a really good final that we could have in store. And, and, and now, of course, after that, she's made a Grand Slam final. So I think really showing that this form that she she's showing at the moment is certainly not just a, a one-off fluke, you know, since pandemic, she's been very, very impressive, uh, 25 years old. Uh, she's 2-1 down in the head-to-head -head against Osaka, but... Um, you know, already having a win against her uh, a couple of years ago. Really, really impressive uh, from Jennifer Brady. Uh, Marcus, what, what did you make of, of this match? Which, as you said pre-pod, looked like a, a, a brilliant match uh, in, in terms of the scoreline. Yeah, I think um, not this, um, not too much alike, as Lan Karat said, but seeing players of lower ranking in, in the last four of a grand slam it tends to happen more a lot more on on the women's side than the men's but it does um make their name stick out and, and make make you look um ahead to to seeing how they progress um a lot more and mukova it looked like played a really good match um obviously beat the number one seed ash barty in the last round um 
but yeah, look, looks a really good player. He's just 24 years old, so plenty of time. And um, yeah, could maybe could be one of the next big win- women's uh, players to to push up the rankings. Um, but I think all of that praise going to Mukova just just shows the grit and determination of Jennifer Brady and to win to win that match in in three sets really shows a lot. Um, Obviously, yeah, one of definitely one of the winners of, of the coronavirus pandemic, having made the semi-final of the US Open last year. Um, and yeah, facing Osaka, I think she'll probably take confidence out of that US Open semi-final, obviously getting a set off the, the Japanese player. Um, might give her a little bit more confidence going into the final. But yeah, I think everyone everyone expecting a simple Naomi Osaka victory will probably buoy Brady a little bit. Um Maybe, yeah, there's definitely less pressure on her. Obviously, Osaka's won the tournament before as well. Um, so, yeah, it will be an interesting match. I, obviously, I, I, I agree. I make Osaka a strong favourite. But, yeah, Brady, definitely um, an exciting American player, which there are a host of in, in the women's game at the moment. Definitely the pick of the semi-final matches. And the, I think it sets up the semi-final really nicely. I look forward to watching that on Saturday. Yeah, I know. I think it was our first ever podcast. We um, were sort of talking about who could win and lose from the pandemic. And this was particularly more on the men's side. I was saying that um, the younger players, I think, could really benefit because, you know, it gives those players a chance, um, you know, like the sort of Zverevs. Um, I, I know maybe we haven't seen too much uh, of improvement from him since the, the pandemic, but um, sort of saying that it gives them a chance to sort of put the the sort of stuttering in form out of their mind really give them a chance to focus on their own game uh, over that that pandemic period. And I think Brady's a perfect example of that, you know, having made, I mean, she made the Wimbledon, uh, which she's made a couple of Grand Slam fourth rounds. I think one was at Wimbledon uh, when she was about 21 uh, or 20. If it wasn't Wimbledon, that, that's my mistake. But, um, you know, she made, she made fourth rounds at the age of 20 and 21 at slams and then didn't do it again until she got to the semi-final. So I think a real example of a player who kind of hit some really good levels early on and then maybe just couldn't quite cope with the expectations that were, were placed on her, but now has really been able to sort of focus on her, her, her own game over the, the off time and has come back brilliantly. And yeah, as you say, much of a brilliant tournament. Um, as you said, only 24. Uh, she's actually a Wimbledon quarter-finalist at, at the 2019 Wimbledon. She she made the quarter-final. That was her best slam result before this week. So um, she's actually looks like someone who was pretty much in form before the pandemic and has been able to carry on her form since, I think, she made the fourth round of the US Open at the back end of last year. So um you know, good performances all around for the Czech player. Um, but of course, Osaka Brady um, is the match to look ahead to now. You know, I, I, I probably do have to agree. Osaka, for me, is probably going to win it in straight sets, is what I'm going to say. Brady, of course, going fantastically in the US Open against uh, whether there's a little bit of a home advantage here. I don't know. You, you know, we know. We didn't have the crowd, so it's kind of hard to know if there's a home advantage or anything. But if, you know, Osaka's just come through in straight sets against Serena Williams, although by her own admission, it was a Serena Williams making too many errors uh, and maybe not playing at her best. I, I do think we have to look at Osaka as strong, strong favourite. So I, I'll say probably Osaka to win in straight sets. But 
Um, I don't know if you said a prediction, Marcus, but I'm assuming you're going to match that. Yeah, I am going to match that straight sets victory for Osaka. I think the, the nature of the victory against Mukova could take a bit out of Brady. Um, but yeah, you never know. It could be a good match. Some some uh, finish line nerves might come in and Brady might manage to make it a, a lot closer than we were expecting. But no, definitely a, a fourth Grand Slam at the age of 23 is going to Naomi Osaka for me. Yeah, I have to agree. And that, that stat that she has never lost past the fourth round of a Grand Slam is... It's crazy, to be honest, and she, she, you know, she's doing it for the fourth time now, so it's not like she's only ever once uh, gone on a run and, and, and won past the fourth round. Uh, she, she's done it more. She's done it a few times now, so, um, yeah, fantastic for her. Uh, so, moving on to... Uh, the match tomorrow. Uh, so obviously that women's match. I'm not sure. Actually, I think I may have mistakenly said that it was tomorrow, but that's obviously going to be Saturday because it's Thursday now. Losing track of days in uh, in lockdown. Uh, but tomorrow we have the final men's semi-final. It's between the fourth seed Daniel Medvedev, the ATP Tour uh, World Finals champion. Uh, against the former ATP Tour World Finals champion, uh, number five seed Stefano Tsitsipas, uh, playing in his second Australian Open semi-final, Medvedev playing in his first. Um, and both of these players had fantastic wins uh, yesterday morning, uh, which we weren't able to talk to uh, talk about on the last podcast uh, because we just did a very quick fire one. Uh, on on the Djokovic Karatsev match, so um, let's start with those quarterfinal predictions. Uh, sorry, quarterfinal uh, reactions. Uh, just before we go on to talk about the semi-final between Medvedev and Tsitsipas, um, and and we'll start with the big one. Uh, Rafael Nadal led Tsitsipas uh, by two sets, uh, not just by two sets, but had pretty much smashed him off the court. Uh, by that point and you know we were all sitting there thinking you know we've seen this match over and over again big free player wipes the floor with one of the, the sort of uh, just outside those top players uh, that that top three uh, that being Sitsipas in, in this occasion but he came back won a tie break in that third set one set four and five terrific match uh, one of the best matches I've, I've watched I think it was it was so good Um Sitsipas pretty much emotionless through the match as well. You know, he, he basically did a Nadal against Nadal, just gave nothing away that whole match, which I thought was so impressive from him, considering all of the pressure that comes with that and the frustration it must have, uh, he must have been feeling at two sets down. You know, it was 6-2, 6-3 or 6-3, 6-2 or something. But, um, you know, he, he hadn't really had a look in at all. Uh, Nadal dominated him in those first two sets. Um Marcus, you know, uh, reaction to this match. Um, is this one of the? Is this Sitsipas's biggest win of his career? I would, I would assume it is. Um, and it's one of the biggest wins I can remember in the last few years of a sort of that that dreaded word next gen. Uh, one of those sort of outside players beating the the top three. I wouldn't say it's the biggest biggest win of his career. I think taking the tour finals in dramatic fashion as he did. 
um, has got to be up there. But uh, maybe at Grand Slam level, you'd have to say. I, I mean, he's beaten Roger Federer before, but Nadal has shown incredible form on a, on a hard court, really, at his age. And it's nice to see that he's he's bringing the best out of these younger players, Nadal. Um, by bringing his best stuff, he's just proving that these younger players have got another level to go to. Um, and yeah, the fight that Sitsipas showed in that match was really incredible. Um, he strikes me as a player that has such belief in his own ability. Um, and that I, th- I think that would have really helped him just rationalise that Nadal was playing tennis from another planet, um, just forget those first two sets and go again. And the way he rallied was really exceptional. Um, getting to that crossroads of, of the third set tiebreak, where obviously we could have seen Nadal win the match in straight sets, but keeping his nerve, um, he was quite dominant in that tiebreak, though I think it was only 7-4 scoreline. Um, since pass more or less led it all the way. Um, so to hold his nerve there was obviously crucial to to what went on to happen afterwards. But yeah, I th- I think we have to praise Nadal as well. I think at his age, was he thirty five now? He's at least thirty four, um, maybe going on thirty five. And a player who hasn't won a well, he, he beat Medvedev at that uh, twenty nineteen U.S. Open, but before then, I, I think I f- that feels like quite a um a hard court grand slam that has come amongst hardly any you know um such a huge percentage of his grand slam titles have come at the french open as we all know and he's only won the australian open once so um to keep putting in these performances is is a credit to him um but yeah sitsipas is, is the man here and yeah what a win really spine tingling stuff and i think the lack of a crowd at this match might have made it a little bit more tense. Sometimes I feel like the silence on on the huge points kind of adds to it a little bit rather than just uh, sort of people screaming and the umpire having to tell them to to be quiet before before the point can can continue. Um, but yeah, incredible from Sitsipas. Yeah, it's got to be his best win at Grand Slam level. And yeah, just, just making my notes going into um, looking ahead to the semi-final um he's only 22 so I know I said a couple of episodes ago that he'd been stuttering a little bit since winning the ATP tour finals but at the end of the day who cares he's 22 like how much he's got so much time um you know he's, he doesn't get many injuries touch wood um you know he maintains strong fitness he plays pretty much week in week out on the tour you know, he's got three years younger than Daniel Medvedev, who is still, you know, without a Grand Slam. You'd probably say by 25, you'd expect Sitsipas maybe to have one under his arm. Um, so, yeah, really good vibes about Sitsipas. Um, yeah, just 22 is, is pretty mind-blowing considering the, the sheer courage in that performance um, really was outstanding. And, yeah, definitely one of the matches of the tournament. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned about the fans there. I didn't mention, actually, you know, we, we've got the fans back today. So we've had the fans back for Djokovic, Karatsev, but, um, and, uh, well, uh, and, and for, of course, this semi as well. But yeah, for those quarterfinals, they did have to play them behind closed doors. And I do completely see your point about uh, the, the fans um, not being there, making it more tense, which I, I definitely do feel. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, you know, brilliant. I've, I've got to disagree uh, in the sense that beating Nadal at a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam, for me, passes winning the ATP Tour Finals by quite a way. Um, you know, I, I know winning the ATP Tour Finals is, you know, it's the biggest tournament outside of the Grand Slams, but the Grand Slams for me, you know, to beat Nadal in that fashion, for me, that's just sensational and it's got to be a standout win. Uh, obviously beat Federer a couple of years ago there. Um, I'm not sure that, I think that was a quarterfinal as well, actually, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, maybe you could say on a par with that, but I do, I do think, you know, from two sets down, that's that's crazy. Um yeah, uh, so Daniel Medvedev will be his opponent in the semi-final. He uh, beat Andre Rublev very convincingly uh, in straight sets. He's done very well, actually, considering in the third round he was given a, a real battle against uh, Krajinovic. Um, but since then, he's come through both his match in straight sets, his, his fourth round against Mackenzie McDonald uh, and his quarterfinal against Andre Rublev. Um you know, I did mention on yesterday's poll quickly, I'm, I'm wondering if, although Rublev is looking very, very impressive on tour, winning five titles last year, um, is he maybe just not quite at that Grand Slam competing level yet? You know, he's made, I think that's four quarterfinals at Slams now, lost all of them though, and he... You know, not take it away from Medvedev. Medvedev played fantastically during this match. Um, you know, just made Rublev play everything again, basically, until Rublev either made an error or, or Medvedev just manipulated the point so well. I think I said in yesterday's pod, it's like he plays a game of chess on the court. He's just thinking sort of two, three shots ahead and just getting Rublev into the exact position that he wants him. Um but yeah, I think, do, do you just feel that maybe Rublev isn't quite at that level yet uh, that, that Medvedev seems to have found? I think he's won 16 matches in a row now, Medvedev. Um, the, a, a brilliant streak, the best one uh, on the ATB tour at the moment. And though Djokovic will be favouring this final, if Medvedev does get through this semi, um, you know, he is the most informed player at the moment. You, you, I don't think anyone can argue with that. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's got to be Daniil Medvedev. Um, that match and, and, and moving on to Rublev, I think just looking at the players um, physically, I think Rublev and and the results prove it, obviously, looks a bit more suited to, to the three-set format. I think you look at the muscle and bulk that Sasha Zverev has put on in the last couple of years and it's his stark contrast to what he looked like when he was coming out, um, you know, having his first couple of full seasons on the ATP Tour. Obviously, Medvedev's got more height and uh, that enormous wingspan, and then you've got the pure aggression of Stefanos Tsitsipas. Maybe Rublev doesn't quite have that power and, and stamina to sustain the level over five sets. I think it's probably a little bit early to judge that on the whole. I think Rublev has had his injury issues in, in the last couple of years before this, the, the mesmerizing 2020 that he had. Um, so yeah, that, that could have played into it a little bit, you know, he, he did sort of fall away um, maybe even out of the top 100 altogether before regathering his fitness and, and, and his form on the tennis court. So yeah, maybe develop development wise, he, he's one or two years off at grand slam level. Um, these players, um, 
but yeah, I, I, I'm not concerned about Rublev at all after that loss. Um, Medvedev is a great player. Um, he's, he's got sort of, yeah, at least probably three years, three, two or three years on, on Rublev and is more experienced at Grand Slam level. He's, he's made a final, um, obviously still um, on on the on the upward trajectory and riding the wave that took him to win the tour finals at the back end of last year. So I'm not concerned about Rublev, but yeah, there probably definitely is work to be done on, on the five set format. Um, Cause yeah, losing to his compatriot in straights as he did the U S open quarterfinal will probably be disappointing for him that he hasn't been able to pose a tougher challenge. Um, but yeah, it's more, uh, it's more impressive from Medvedev than it is unimpressive from Andre Rublev. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, he did play a fantastic match and I think we're really seeing a, a brilliant player, Medvedev, even if he doesn't win this tournament. I, I cannot see how he he won't go on to win Grand Slams. If you compare him to a player like, we talked about this yesterday, if you compare him to a player like Zverev, I, I just see him as a much more complete player at the moment, mentally as well. You know, he, he can get frustrated on court, but he just seems to be able to translate that into helping him. Um, and he just, yeah, he, he just looked phenomenal against Riblev. Uh, nothing was really getting past him. And if he can play like that against Sitsipas in this match, I, I think Medvedev is definitely favourite, even though Sitsipas has the, um, the, the better sort of, well, the, the bigger win in the, in the quarterfinal. Um, they both come through five setters to get here, actually. Uh, both come through five setters and then... Uh, sorry, both came through five setters to get to their quarterfinals. So, obviously, Sitsipas now has come through two five setters, the first one being uh, Tanasi Kokinakis, a, a match that you wouldn't have expected him to be taking to five sets in. He was then sort of benefited a couple of rounds later when Berrettini pulled out injured. So... You know, maybe Sitspass will have a little bit more in the tank than Medvedev, having played one match less. Uh, but, you know, they're head-to-head. Uh, Medvedev is a player that Sitspass has really struggled against in the past. Uh, Medvedev leading the head-to-head 5-1. It was 5-0 until their last meeting, uh, which came, uh, I think that was at the ATP Tour Finals in 2019, so when uh, Sitspass won it. Um, they haven't actually played since uh, 2019, though. That was their last one. Uh, they've only played once at a Grand Slam, US Open 2018. Medvedev beating Sitsabas in four sets uh, in the second round. So this was, you know, a second round at a Grand Slam just a couple of years ago, uh, or about three years ago. Um, now playing in a semi-final, but uh, yeah, Medvedev winning five of their six matches. Um, they've actually... Had a bit of drama on court as well before. It's not something that I remembered myself, but I, when I was looking pre-pod, uh, they actually had a bust-up, really. Um, Miami 2018 at the net. Uh, Medvedev had won in three sets and Sitsipas uh, said sort of an expletive to him. Uh, and, and they ended up having a bit of a confrontation. They have played since then. Uh, so I'm sure that, uh, that there won't be any aggro in this match uh, well, I mean, there, there could be, but we don't know. But, um, yeah, it's it's hard not to make Medvedev favourite for me, looking at the, the head-to-head stats between these two and just the way that Medvedev played in his last match. Um, 
What, what about you, Marcus? Uh, what, what, what do you think, looking ahead to this semi-final, um, would you agree that Medvedev is the favourite or do you feel that, you know, that win against Nadal uh, and, and the confidence that Sitsipas seems to carry, as you said, do you think that that really gives him the upper hand? No, <laughs> to be honest. Um, despite having that walkover against Berrettini, which would have been a nice breather for Sitsipas. I think Medvedev coming through the Rublev match in straights could actually play maybe more of a part in in, in why he'll be the favourite coming to this semi-final. Um, he's got better past performances on hardcore Grand Slams and Sitsipas, as we all know. Um, obviously, taking that US Open final in 2019 to five sets with Rafael Nadal being the standout. And he's looked outside of Djokovic the player to beat going into this tournament, you'd have to say. Um, and all of his performances in the tournament have, have not suggested anything other than that, maybe with the exception of the Krajinovic match going to five sets. But apart from that, he's won every match in straights. Um, and I do think Sitsipas has got his work cut out here. I think the anticipation of Medvedev is probably quite underrated. And so, yeah, Sitsipas will try and be aggressive. I think he'll... Uh, Obviously, going two sets down to to Nadal in that match, I think he'll do everything in his power to try and ensure that that doesn't happen again. Um, so I think maybe we could see a close uh, um, first couple of sets, but I think Medvedev is the better player. I think at the, at this stage of his career, he's just he's more ready for this. Um, he's probably more intelligent, and he'll probably hold his nerve a little bit better in the in the bigger moments. For me, it's going to be Medvedev in four sets. I think Sitsipas has definitely got enough to take one off him. Um, but yeah, I can't see him being able to produce the same sort of comeback victory that he did against Nadal. I think, yeah, Medvedev. Medvedev for me, I've been feeling great about him all tournament and Sitsipas's incredible win against Nadal doesn't change that. So yeah, I'm going to go Medvedev in four. Yeah, I definitely can't take away the the victory for Sitsipas, but Nadal did make some very uncharacteristic errors during that match, particularly that tie break, uh, which Sitsipas won in the third. Nadal missed a smash that, you know, I, th- I think I could have put it, put it away, to be honest. Uh, missed a couple of forehands that, you, you know, just 20 minutes earlier, he was making easily. And it was a, a little bit odd from Nadal, that being said, you know, Tsitsipas did play fantastic, amazing tennis. Some of the best I've seen him play in sets four and five. But um, I do think Nadal maybe allowed him a little bit of an entry back into that tiebreak. Whereas the way that Medvedev is playing at the moment, I, you know, against Rublev, he just was a brick wall. And I can't see him doing that. I can't see the pressure getting to Medvedev. Um, he seems to handle pressure very, very well. Um, and whereas Sitsipas also does, but I think um, I think from what we have seen on court from both these players, Medvedev for me is just a slightly tougher player mentally. I think Medvedev to win in four, it sounds like a good prediction. I'm going to say, I'm actually going to go Medvedev in straight sets. Um, I feel like that is maybe digging myself a bit of a hole. Uh, because if Sitsipas does go on and win now, at least sort of you can say that you gave him a, a chance to get in a set. But I, I just think um, Medvedev 
might come out and do it in straight sets. And I think he'll know that to have the best op- the best chance, and not not that this will have an impact on the semi-final, but I think he'll know that to have the best chance against Djokovic in the final, he needs to be at his absolute best. So he will go out on court knowing, I think, that he'll want to get that done in as little time possible. Um, because Medvedev is a player who, when he plays, you get a lot of rallies, you get a lot of running. Uh, even if it is straight sets, Medvedev will have to do a lot of running tomorrow morning. Uh, and, and he'll know that he'll need to shorten the match because I think if he ends up coming through a, a five sets win, uh, it's going to be hard to to give him a massive chance against a man who's never lost in an Australian Open final and won it eight times. Uh, but yeah, that's my prediction. Medvedev in straights. Um, yeah, and, and a really, really exciting final semi-final to look forward to uh, ahead of a really exciting weekend uh, with the women's final already set up on Saturday. Um, you know, the sheer quality of Naomi Osaka against uh, brilliant quality as well of uh, Jennifer Brody, who's been fantastic in, in the last sort of, what would it be, six, seven months now. Um, so, yeah, and, and then... Whichever one of Medvedev sits pass wins, they're going to have a chance against Djokovic, and it could be a really good final. Sits pass, I think, has quite a good record against Djokovic without having it to hand. I think he he's beaten him a couple of times. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, some exciting tennis to come up. Um, before I sort of close out, is there any sort of final words you want to say on on Medvedev sits pass, Marcus, or any anyone else that I've forgotten to mention? And, and a little shout out to I don't think so uh, no not really um, you know just despite my heavy fancy for Medvedev I, I still think it'll be a great match um, Sitsipas leaves everything out on the court um, he's, he's a great player to watch um, so despite me expecting him to to lose out here I, I'm sure it'd be a great spectacle um, we don't want to downplay that at all um, I'm sure it'll be a great match from a neutral perspective even if even if Medvedev does does get the win in quite straightforward fashion, um, but yeah, I'm also yeah looking forward to Osaka versus Brady. Maybe Osaka can be the next player that can uh, be climbing up that all-time ladder of of women's Grand Slam winners. You know, to get four by the age of 23 would be very very impressive. Um, so yeah, just uh, yeah, a lot of excitement. I'm I'm buzzing to see these next two matches. Um, so yeah, thanks. Yeah, we both recently turned 22. Uh, so five Grand Slams by the age of 23 uh, is not possible for either of us now, which is a shame because there's obviously only three left before I'm, I'm 20, 23. Touch wood that all the other three go ahead uh, as planned because we're living in, in crazy times at the moment. Um, I think that was sort of an outro from Marcus there, so I won't... Uh, uh, go back to him in, unless he raises his hands and uh, wants wants to say anything. But um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, enjoy the matches over the weekend. We've got some uh, really good matches. Uh, well, starting tomorrow, actually. Um, really, really good matches to come uh, and spread out nicely. Um, so, yeah, excellent. Um, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and we'll see you Saturday.